It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. It was also recently the birthday of Zachary Taylor. Now, Zachary Taylor, because of the short duration of his presidency and the I don't know the the fact that there weren't that many consequential instances that took place. He's not a president that comes up very often. He absolutely was a an incredibly popular war hero. He was a general and a national hero for his victories in the Mexican American War. As a result, one of the major parties at the time, the Whig Party. They came to General Taylor and they came courting him, say, please run for president, run for president. And he reluctantly, because he didn't have much of an interest in politics up until that point, he reluctantly agreed. And then in less than a year, he dies. Now, history records that there were four presidents assassinated, Garfield, Lincoln, McKinley, and Kennedy. What if... Zachary Taylor was the fifth. Someone that makes a uh, pretty compelling case that that was the case is Matthew Rosia. He is a world-class writer who's written for a number of award-winning publications. He is currently writing with Salon. Matthew, thanks for staying up late or getting up early with us. Thank you for having me. Um, I enjoyed listening to the Britney Spears segment. (laughs) Wonderful. wonderful. Uh, Matthew, uh, before we get into Zachary Taylor's death, give folks a little bit of a primer, a little bit of a reminder as to who Zachary Taylor was. Zachary Taylor was an old-fashioned frontier soldier. He spent the vast majority of his life in the military, but specifically as a soldier who was in the old Southwest, who uh, helped, you know, take Louisiana and tame Louisiana. And then during the Mexican-American War was responsible for some of the most important military victories. Before the 1848 election, which is the election when he ran himself, he had never even voted, much less run for office. He, that was the, the first vote he ever cast in an election was the uh, vote that he cast for himself in 1848. Uh, At that point, he was 64 years old. And so he was a very apolitical person. Um, But as president, the main issue that wound up dominating conversation was what should America do with the territories that we had won from Mexico in terms of allowing slavery to spread. And Taylor is a fascinating figure because he personally was a slave owner. But to everyone's surprise, he wound up siding with the North and arguing that slavery should not be spread into the newly acquired territories. He Hmm. actually believed that it should be left only in the states which already had it. This was a very unpopular position. And this leads into how he the subject of his death. Um, Many Southerners felt betrayed by him. Many Southerners were saying, we're going to secede. We're going to start a civil war. How dare you not side with us? Um, His vice president, Millard Fillmore, by contrast, actually did side with them. Uh, And then right when all this was happening, Taylor mysteriously dropped dead of food poisoning. So the, the official story goes 
that on July 4th, 1850, President Taylor consumed a whole lot of cherries and iced milk while attending holiday celebrations during a fundraising event at the Washington Monument, which at the time was under construction. Over the next few days, he became incredibly ill with this unknown digestive ailment as initially resembling acute gastroenteritis. The illness initially seemed mild, and on the first day, Taylor felt well enough to continue working. His condition worsened thereafter, and by July 9th, he was dead. Why do you or why do people doubt that official story? Uh, Two reasons. Uh, The first is just the awful convenience of it. I mean, Taylor was, again, a lifelong soldier. He was in perfectly fine health. Um, The fact that he had just recently essentially delivered an ultimatum to the South, his position was that the South had no right to secede. Like I said, he was a lifelong military man. He was all about loyalty to the Union. And the fact that he had just delivered an ultimatum that I will use the military to invade the South and hold you in the Union against your will. And they were saying, if you do that, there will be a civil war. And people were worried there'd be a civil war. And then he dies. It's a little convenient. But but the fact that that was convenient is not in itself what's compelling. What's also compelling are the details of his illness, because many of the symptoms that he displayed now are, are consistent with arsenic poisoning. Now, At the time, he was diagnosed with what they called cholera morbus, but cholera morbus was a term that was just a kind of a catch-all for any number of stomach ailments. It was sort of their way of saying, we know there's something wrong with this part of his body, but we're not exactly sure what it is. But many of the symptoms he displayed were consistent with arsenic poisoning. And in 1991, they actually, uh, the state of Kentucky and the Oak Ridge National Laboratory in Tennessee where uh, both uh, exhumed Taylor's remains and used a technique known as neutron activation analysis to test his hair particles for arsenic. Um, and what they found is that, his, that the hair contained two parts per million of arsenic, uh, which is in itself considered not to be too much to indicate acute poisoning, but there are criticisms of how the body was exhumed because specifically the hair as it was studied, they studied the entire hair instead of merely the portion closest to the root. So there are still questions about whether the people who exhumed his remains for this purpose tested for the arsenic in the most rigorous way. I see. Were there immediate suspicions about his possibly being assassinated or is this something that has emerged more recently? There were people who suspected it at the time, but the thing about Taylor, and I'm glad that you listed the other presidents who'd been assassinated, they were all assassinated before Taylor's presidency. America had never had, at that point, an assassinated president. You mean after, after Taylor's presidency? Yeah, they were, you're right, Right. thank you for after Taylor's presidency. My point is that when he died, we'd never had an assassinated president, so people didn't even really know how to process that as a possibility. Lincoln was the first president that we know for sure was assassinated. 
Um, so, well, that's interesting. Uh, that that it, it certainly is. By the way, if people want to read uh, Matthew's article about this, I just linked to it on my Facebook page. You can check it out. Facebook.com slash Morano fan. That's Facebook.com slash M-O-R-A-N-O fan. All right. So we have uh, circumstantial evidence that's consistent with arsenic poisoning. And we have at least some evidence that was in that there was an arsenic in that hair sample, even though there may have been problems with how that hair sample test was done. Um, Who do people think was responsible for this? The general theory would be that it would have been people in the South who felt betrayed by Taylor. Um, Because, and I can't stress this enough, I think for me what I find so fascinating, and it's an enigma that really no one has been able to crack, why was Taylor, a man who owned slaves, sympathetic to the anti-slavery movement? To this day, nobody really knows, but we do know that Taylor's fellow Southerners were very, very angry. So if anyone had a motive to assassinate him, both on the grounds that they felt betrayed and because they might have thought they were averting a civil war, it would have been the South. Now, the other question, of course, that historians wonder is if Taylor had not died and a civil war had broken out during his presidency, would the Union still have won? Um, Would slavery have still been abolished? Because just because Taylor supported not extending slavery doesn't mean he was an abolitionist. Mm. The man owned slaves himself. He was a plantation owner. So it's just a fascinating question because history would have been very, very different if Taylor had lived. Oh, no doubt about it. Um, so, I mean, there's always a lot of debate about whether or not the Kennedy assassination was the result of a conspiracy. We know that the Lincoln assassination was the result of a conspiracy. It would have had to have been uh, some sort of a conspiracy to take out Zachary Taylor if he was murdered, right? Oh, absolutely. It would have had to have been a conspiracy. Um, and not the one only- lone disgruntled Southern chef in the White House mess. No, I mean, it would have been somebody who poisoned him during that Fourth of July ceremony. I'm actually looking at a biography of Taylor by Hamilton Holman, and what he describes is that um, that during the Independence Day ceremony, he would have munched green apples uh, immediately after a Sunday school recital. Then he spent two hours under the hot sun at the base of the Washington Monument where people were orating and anyone could have come up to him and introduced themselves to him. In those days, the president did not have bodyguards, did not have a secret service. The idea was that any ordinary citizen should be able to walk up to the president, shake his hand and have a conversation. And in some ways, it's very innocent and quaint, but there are obvious security problems with that arrangement. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, And just to kind of complete the circle, if the goal was to get a president that was more friendly to the issues that were important to slave owners at the time, Millard Fillmore, obviously a New Yorker. You don't necessarily consider people from New York as the tip of the spear on slavery, slavery related issues. What did Fillmore do as president with respect to slavery? He supported the Compromise of 1850. That was the big thing, is that um, the congressional leaders like Henry Clay, like Daniel Webster, were pushing for a great compromise that they felt would resolve the issues of slavery in a way that would prevent civil war. And that included um, allowing California to enter the Union as a free slate, but at the same time, as a free state, but at the same time, 
banning slavery, um, banning the slave state from banning the slave trade from Washington, D.C., but at the same time also strengthening the fugitive slave laws, um, uh, uh, providing the South with much of what it wanted in terms of legislature to protect slavery where it existed. It was essentially a deal that they thought would please both sides and avoid a civil war. Taylor opposed the Compromise of 1850 because his flat-out position was that the South was wrong and that he did not think that slavery could survive in the areas where it didn't already exist. He thought that it was perfectly okay for states in the South to ban slavery. And so you're right. I'm glad you pointed it out that Fillmore was from New York, so you wouldn't think that he would be the guy that the pro-slavery people were looking to for salvation. But he was the one who was sympathetic to their position, and Taylor, who was from Louisiana, was not. Very, very interesting. Now, is this one of those things where if someone made a concerted effort to reopen this case and investigate this, that we could ultimately find out the truth? Or is this one of those things where in all likelihood we'll never know the truth? The only way we could possibly know the truth, we could or we could potentially confirm in the future uh, whether it was arsenic poisoning. You would need to re-exhume Taylor. You'd need to perform a more rigorous uh, look at the hair samples. You'd have to make sure that you only studied the roots so that way you're not, incident- you're not accidentally diluting the sample. But even if it turned out that he didn't die of arsenic poisoning, there are still other forms of poisoning that can occur. One of the things I wrote in my article at the end uh, is that... Um, it's impossible to know these things, and barring future tests on Taylor's hair roots, it is also impossible to know for sure whether he was poisoned. Historians tend to prefer stories with neat and tidy endings, right. and it is, it's troubling to believe that history could have been changed through murder without anyone knowing for sure. But the truth is, that might be where we are, because even if it turns out he wasn't poisoned with arsenic, there are plenty of other poisons that could have been used, and they would no longer be detectable 170 years later. Yeah, talking with uh, Matthew Matthew Rosia. So who, let's say we did, as a society, want to get to the bottom of this and determine whether it was arsenic poisoning, who would have to make that decision? Would it be Taylor's descendants, if there are any? Would it be the, uh, you know, the, the federal government? Who would make the decision to exhume the body and do these sort of tests? Well, in 1991, I'm going to double check this. But I believe that his family had, yes, his closest relatives had agreed to the exhumation. So his family would have to agree to it. Um, the, I personally think that it would be worth investigating. I think people deserve to know the truth. Um, I think it would be interesting in particular to raise questions about the counterfactual in history. What If America had had Taylor instead of Lincoln as president during the Civil War, how would everything have played out differently? But to the- answer your question. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, but to answer your question, I think that, yes, it would have to be his family that would consent to it. Yeah. And so you also anticipated my next question, which is sometimes I'll talk about the Kennedy assassination and people will call in and say, what does it matter? He's dead. It was 60 years ago. And, you know, on the one hand, I can understand that. Your answer to why this matters, that uh, a president may have been murdered, that it was not recorded as murdered, is that the whole course of American history could have been different. 
Oh, yes. And by the way, I would say the same thing about John Kennedy. I mean, imagine if Lyndon Johnson hadn't been president to try to shepherd through the civil rights legislation of the 60s. Right. And uh, a lot of people have alternative theories about how Vietnam would have went uh, as well. But that's certainly uh, another another can of worms. Well, Matthew, uh, it is an absolutely fascinating story. It's not something I would have known anything about but for you. And uh, thank you for coming on the radio. Appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. You don't have any theories about William Henry Harrison being murdered, do you? No, I think he just should have worn a coat. (laughs) Okay. All right. If you develop an alternative view on that, be sure to let us know, okay? I will. Thank you. Matthew Roja, you can check out the piece. I just linked to it on uh, my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Moranofan. He writes for Salon. You can also find it on there. Uh, I think it's absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. If you want to uh, comment, you're certainly welcome to do so. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.